Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? You're fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream that was harder to live. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 144 of the Hooper's Log. My name is Simo Bucket or Chris Morrison. For those of you that like to call in, the phone number is 323-642-1558. The phone number again is 323-642-1558. We got a lot of announcements to get to. Episode 144 here on Wednesday, May 25th, 2016. And as you can hear in my voice, I got a little bit off my shoulders now, a little bit a little bit less to worry about. Yes, the conference finals are coming down the stretch run. We are now in the if necessary games as the game fives get started tonight. Eastern Conference game five between the Cavs and Raptors in Cleveland as the series is tied 2-2. Uh, gets tipped off here in about a half an hour at, uh, at the 5.30 p.m. East, uh, Pacific time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Here in about a half an hour, if you're listening live, again, feel free to call in if you'd like to talk basketball from what happened last night and from what happened uh, a couple nights ago in the Eastern Conference. And tonight's a big game. Tomorrow night's a big game for historical references. This is a, one of the biggest weeks in basketball history this week, if all goes the way we think it's going to go. A lot of things uh, are just are just coming in front of us that are just out of this world different and crazy. Um, and a lot of rotation changes going on here in the world of basketball. That's just that's just crazy. We didn't expect this to happen. I mean, who would have expected the Golden State Warriors to be on 3-1 heading into game five? I mean, I think 2-2 would have been expected. 3-1 Warrior lead would have been expected. But to be down 3-1 is absolutely insane. Uh, the Eastern Conference Finals tied 2-2. I don't think anyone expected that either. I think we all expected a 3-1 Cavs lead going back home, and they're going to close it out tonight. But no, it, this is a must-win game for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we'll preview that for you here a little bit later. But first, we got some announcements to get to, some big, giant announcements to get to, some changing announcements that are going to be happening here over the, month, over the next month plus. Uh, Andrew Norris is going to start his own show. That is awesome. I mean, good for the guy. I, if anyone remembers uh, when we started this uh, this Hooper's Log, or when I started this Hooper's Log, it was really just me by myself doing my own thing. Uh, and Andrew uh, contributed to a large, large portion of that um, over this entire NBA season. He is going to go and start his own uh, his own brand, uh, Creekwood Sports. Uh, the Hooper's Log.com is still available. Obviously, SimoBuckets.com is still up. 
Uh, and for now, I would I would just say go to SimoBuckets.com to check out anything on my own. I did a, a guest appearance yesterday on a show with uh, with my guy uh, Steve Silver. The podcast is it should be up. It's like episode two of uh, Fan Side Fat Fan Chat. I, I, I apologize, but if you look up Steve Silver and his show online, you can find it. It's definitely in my Twitter feed. Uh, somewhere and you'll find it there at Simo Buckets 253 uh, on the Twitter feed. A lot of announcements again. Andrew Norris is leaving the show. I'm riding solo. Still got Calvin writing for me. Uh, Michael Hicks and Andrew Norris are going to be going and writing uh, and doing their own thing. Good for them. I really hope they, they hit it off and do a great job. Always rooting for Andrew here on the show. But from here on out, back to riding solo with Calvin. Uh, he's going to be helping me. And uh, to go along with that, uh, CLNS Radio, I will be leaving CLNS Radio here in a month plus. Uh, the final show projected will be on June 30th, uh, 2016, the final day before the NBA fiscal season is over. And I will be jumping on to NBA uh, talk, uh, NBA lead, excuse me, NBA lead uh, July 5th. So only realistically, we have about 11 more shows here on this uh, site blogtalkradio.com slash the Hoopers log and on this iTunes station it will be the last time we'll give you up to date uh, information on knowing where that's going to be with the NBA lead uh, we're going to get involved with them and I'm going to be uh, talking for them here in the next month or so and uh, that'll be all up to date all of June we'll obviously talk about the NBA finals on here you can always call in again the phone number in the SeatGeek studios is 323-642-1558 so yeah only for another month plus now I'll be on this site, and I'll be a part of this radio station. Uh, all the thanks that I can give to CLNS Radio, I will give those to them uh, June 30th on the final show here on this station. It's been uh, one hell of a ride, part of CLNS. They've given me a foot uh, a start in the radio portion to get me started, and uh, i got to move on up and talk mostly NBA with the NBA lead and get that going and we'll move forward from there. Uh, but let's get to the real topics. Also another announcement, one more announcement before we get started on the show. Again, if you'd like to call in the phone number is three, two, three, six, four, two, one, five, five, eight. Um, and if not, feel free to just sit back and listen. If you're listening to the podcast, you got quite the show. We'll be doing shows Tuesdays and Thursdays, all of June. So the first show, uh, will be the day after Memorial day, May 31st, then June 2nd day of the NBA finals getting started. June 7th, June 9th, June 14th, June 16th, you, you name it. Just Tuesday, Thursday, all of June. That should really only give us about 10 episodes to play with in the month of June until we move on over to NBA Elite. So that's really all the announcements we got for now. Um, I'll be riding solo. If you want to jump in and be a co-host, be my guest. We, we, we'd love to have you right. We'd love to have you be a part of the show. We have uh, consistent contributors as a part of the show. It's a little scary going into a different uh, a different realm and regime when it comes to talking basketball. But uh, if for some reason things don't click it off uh, with the NBA lead, uh, can always go solo and, and get it going from there. But again, uh, CLNS has been a big part of what I've done here over the last year plus, and uh, it's going to be weird to change. But we have ten episodes left. We're going into the conference final strong. Kevin Hart's going to kick it off for us, and he's going to get it started. Kevin Hart, get it going. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. The all-defensive teams in the NBA were announced today. We'll get to those in a little bit. Let's recap. Uh, game four of the Eastern Conference Finals and game four of the Western Conference Finals here 
in just a moment. Again, all defensive teams. We've got some rumors, obviously some coaching changes uh, to talk to talk about, and we'll also preview Game 5 of the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. The Eastern Conference Finals Game 4, which was played on Monday, was a stunner. Now, from multiple perspectives, the Raptors got the victory, 105-99. to And what's fascinating about this victory for the Raptors is not that they were dominating the Cavs in uh, – not that they were dominating the Cavs in the first half going into halftime. It's the fact that the Cavs could not respond uh, similarly to how they responded in the first two games. Now, I think we all expected the, the Raptors to find a way to bounce back and get it done against the Cavs at home at some point. But to say that they would come back in game four and respond similarly to how they played in game three was definitely an overshotted statement. I didn't think that this would be the case. The Toronto Raptors winning 105-99, to and, and to be 100% honest, it was not that close. You got to give credit to the Cavs, though, in the fourth quarter. The first seven, eight minutes of the fourth quarter, they they were perfect from the floor. Richard Jefferson was perfect from the floor. LeBron was getting everything he wanted. You saw the Cavs play the perfect offense those first eight minutes. But to the Raptors' credit, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry found a way to combine for 60-plus points. Kyle Lowry, 35 points, five rebounds, five assists. Boy, you talk about night and day difference from game two all the way to game, game four, where now – the series is tied 2-2 going back to Cleveland. The game starts here in about 20 minutes. And I'm going to tell you this. This Cavs team, I, I'm not going to panic yet. I still think they're the better team. And with the way they played in the second half against the Raptors, I think they have found a way to adjust to this Raptors team. Obviously not well enough in game four. But when you look at games as they end and as how they, you know, as they progress through time and getting to the next game of the series – you saw the Cavs adjust and play the way they wanted to play against the Raptors. They didn't win. They came back. They adjusted. They scored 58 points in the second half where the Raptors, again, I know they were up big going into the half, but the Raptors only scored 48 points in the second half. The, the Cavs played very well in the second half to get themselves momentum back heading into a game five, plus they're going back home. Look, tonight's game is a huge game. And just like last night in the Western Conference Finals, which we'll talk about in a little bit, LeBron James still played great in game four. 29 points, nine rebounds, six assists. His supporting cast did not help him. Uh, Kyrie Irving went cold. Uh, the the Cav, Kevin Love was horrific. Four of 14 from the floor, 10 points, seven rebounds. LeBron James was great, but, but Kyrie Irving, he had 26 points, but he shot only 11 of 21 from the field and three of eight from three. J.R. Smith went cold real quick. Eleven of a three of eleven from the floor from three point land, three of twelve overall. And uh, Kyrie Irving had four turnovers. Uh, he, he was not smart with the basketball late. Um, you know, in the final four minutes of the ball game, the Cavs just kind of just kind of gave it up. They didn't play horrifically in Game Four, but the credit has to go to the Raptors in finding a way to adjust. Game Five tonight is where you'll see a guy. Teron Liu really need to make the adjustments to get this team going. It's just the way it's going to have to be. The first two games, the first eight games, ten games of the playoffs to the Cavs looked automatic. They looked like a team that was absolutely automatic and getting done what they needed to get done. But then all of a sudden the Raptors made the adjustments, and the Cavs just haven't found a way to respond. Did they respond in, in the second half against the Raptors and find ways to adjust? Yes, they did. The real question is, though, can they keep that up in game five? If this series goes the way it's supposed to, where the Cavs just win at home and the Raptors win at home like they did in the regular season, the Cavs will win this in seven. 
but I don't think anyone expected the Cavs to have to play a seven-game series to the max with the Raptors. I mean, now it's a three-game series with the Cavs playing two games at home at maximum, and you're talking about a team where prior to these two games that the Raptors have just put together, they were dominating through the Eastern Conference, and it was looking like JV versus, you know, the professionals. That's what it looked like. you got to give credit to the Cavs in the way that they've played over the first 10 games, but the Raptors need to get all the credit over these last two because they've made the adjustments to dominate. And game four was a real head-scratcher from the standpoint of the Cavs not being able to adjust to what the Raptors were throwing at them. And if the backcourt's only going to get better for the Raptors, which they've improved every single game in this series, if they're only going to improve tonight, that's a big, big red flag for the Cleveland Cavaliers moving forward. They need to play their best basketball tonight in game five for them to get themselves into the NBA Finals. Do I think the Cavs need to worry right now going into game five? No. I think they're going to adjust. I think they're going to win by 10. I think they're going to get it done. But for the conversation to adjust to say the Raptors now have a chance in this series, I still think that's a little over the head. But I can guarantee you this, the Raptors make the adjustments tonight, and they find a way to dominate and and play their game the way they have the last two games, the Toronto Raptors are going to win this series, and they're going to find themselves in the NBA Finals. It's just that simple. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I think LeBron's going to bounce back. LeBron's going to have a historical game tonight. I anticipate LeBron going for 40. He's going to take at least 20 shots. He's going to play the MJ role. He's going to take this team on his back and carry them to a championship run that I think we all expect them to have. I just think it's going to happen. I think LeBron James is going to get it done. And I think the Cavs are going to find a way to find themselves getting into the NBA Finals, and LeBron's going to see a sixth straight Finals appearance. I I just think it's going to happen. Something's going to get under LeBron's skin tonight where he is going to be a possessed man heading towards the rim, and they're going to win. But Game 4 was really all about the Raptors and their ability to execute down the stretch and at least keep pace with the Cavaliers, who played great in the second half. They played great. The Raptors did not play necessarily great in the second half. They didn't need to. They were up so big. But they desperately, they definitely and desperately did find a way to hang tough with the Cavs late when the Cavs were the team really looking like they were going to win that game in Game 4 and head home up 3-1. But the Raptors found a way. They found a way to hang tough and at least get the victory and head back to Cleveland with a shot. I think if you would have told the Raptors prior to the season beginning that they would have a shot to get to the NBA Finals, I think they'd take it. And they have that shot coming up tonight in about 15 minutes. PN. It's going to be a big one, big one, big one, big one in Game 5 tonight as the Game 5s get going. In the Western Conference Finals, oh boy. I mean, you talk about the Western Conference Finals and what we're seeing now. Last night, the Warriors just got absolutely trounced. Thunder winning 118-94 to as the Thunder again, similarly to what they did in Game 3 taking over in the second quarter, 42 points in the second quarter, leading by more than 20 again going into the half. And, well, and not, about, not more than 20. I think they were up by 15, if I'm, if I'm to be exact. Near 20. It was close. Either way, the Thunder just look more – they just look more physical. Their, their players look absolutely ready to compete and dominate in this, in this NBA Finals. They're up 3-1 now going back to Oklahoma City – or excuse me, going back to the Golden State. In a game five, Golden State, look, they're 73-9 and nine for a reason. The first time they've lost back-to-back games since 2013, since three years, three calendar years, you know, the last time they lost, they lost back-to-back games. It's, it's been a while for them. It's, it's been an unbelievable streak. But 
the Golden State Warriors now facing their first real test in a while. Now down 3-1. Can they come back from 3-1? Sure they can. The difference, though, is they, they need to play their game. They need to play it very, very well, and they have to execute. They scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. I know the game was overheading into the fourth. I'm not blind to the narrative. But the Warriors played pretty well in the third. They found a way to at least cut it to a closer deficit, than the Thunder just shut them down. I mean, the Thunder just absolutely shut down the Warriors in this ball game again, just like game three. They came out, they played their game, and instead of going big and changing up the lineups and changing up everything that you normally see from the Thunder, the way they've won games in the postseason, they just said, we're going to come out and we're going to play our brand of basketball, and we're going to beat you to the punch. And they did. And, and saying that about the Warriors this entire season, 73-9, and nine, doing what they've done all season long, it's looking like they're the team that's not making the adjustments. They're the team not, making, not giving the hustle plays, making the extra effort. You saw Russell Westbrook on the floor multiple times last night, diving for loose balls. Deion Waiters diving into the crowd, trying to save passes. Steven Adams going out there and really being tough. Enos Cantor getting second-chance rebounds. That's what it takes to win ball games in this league. That's what it takes to win. That's what it takes to be successful. The Warriors aren't, aren't attempting those. I mean, they, they just – Draymond Green looked horrific last night. And, and, and after last night, I'm convinced now. I said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again. Clay Thompson, this guy last night, 26 points, five rebounds, 19 of the 26 was in the third quarter. This guy almost single-handedly got this Warrior team back into the mix. He did. I mean, Clay Thompson was a man possessed last night. And I think now, as we move forward in, in the NBA, in the conversation, I think Clay Thompson's the best shooting guard in the NBA. The guy can play solid defense. He can shoot it with the best of them. When he's on fire, I don't think anyone's better than him when he's on fire, outside of Steph Curry. Um, but I also think the other side of the narrative, Russell Westbrook, he may, and this is a stretch, but I know he might be the best point guard in the NBA right now. I, I already have that opinion, him being my favorite player and doing what he's been doing the last you know, couple of years, three years now in the league. He's been one of the more explosive players in the league. But – Steph Curry did not play well last night at all. I mean, you look at Steph Curry's box score and what he did, 19 points on 6 of 20 from the field, six turnovers. That's very Russell Westbrook-like. And Russell Westbrook, he also had six turnovers, but he was more in control, 12 of 27 from the field, 36 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, four steals. This guy was a man possessed. Russell Westbrook was absolutely incredible last night. Russell Westbrook was... He was the man ready to go. He got it done. 36 points last night. Russell Westbrook was unbelievable. And Kevin Durant, he struggled from the floor. People are saying, oh, 26 points from Kevin Durant, you know, ho-hum. His field goal percentage was horrific. 8 of 24 from the field, he was not that good. And he said it in the press conference, this team's got to get out better on offense if they want to win a championship. And I, and I know, and I know they're just saying that because they just destroyed the Warriors by more than 20. I know they just dominated the Golden State Warriors, and people are saying, oh, why would you say that? No, it's Kevin Durant struggled from the floor last night, 8-24. He had a couple of big shots, obviously, but, I mean, when you, when you take out those big shots, he was not very good. He just wasn't. And Serge Ibaka played fantastic, 17 points. Ro- Robertson had 17 points as well. The others, the bench players, the guys who, I wouldn't necessarily call it the bench, but the guys outside of the big two, they helped out a lot. 17-11 from Adams, 17 from Roberson, 17 from Ibaka. Those are huge, huge additions. And those guys are, what, are really what is dictating this series. 
Clay Thompson, outside of Clay, if Clay Thompson didn't show up last night, the Warriors are getting beat by 30. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, it already happened in game three, but Steph Curry is showing that maybe he's not at 100%, or maybe something's going on with him. Maybe this team is just drained emotionally in some aspects, which is odd because I don't know how they could be. They've been, they've been dominant all year long. But, again, I, I've said it all year long. This team last year, and, it, and it's finally being said in the national media, this team might be a team that just really had an unbelievable stretch for about a year and a half, and now finally they're getting figured out. And they're just being finally figured out from the standpoint that their length just isn't enough to get them done. They don't have length on this team. I mean, Draymond Green's a really, really amazing player. Andrew Bogut is a great big down low. But when more physical teams, bigger teams, impose their will on this team, you've seen it. The Warriors cannot find a way to compete against teams that are more physically imposing than they are. They just can't. They don't have it. They don't have the firepower and the muscle. They, I mean, they have the firepower. They don't have the muscle to compete with this team. And considering how the playoffs are called, how games are called in the postseason in the NBA, how, how everything's going with what, with what you know, how, how things are getting done by the ref standards, I mean, what else did you expect from the standpoint of competition, physicality? The Golden State Warriors don't have that. They can compete to their, to their best of their ability, but the Golden State Warriors do not have the length that the, that the Oklahoma City Thunder have. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here and boast and toot my own horn because I'm a Spurs fan, but this Oklahoma City team absolutely throttled, absolutely throttled my, uh, my San Antonio Spurs. In three of the four games that they won, they absolutely throttled us. I mean, they did. They were the better team in three of those four games. I think in game five, when they won, uh, or excuse me, in game four, when they won uh, late with, with Kevin Durant, they figured something out, and I've said it multiple times. But that was more of Kevin Durant showing up and dominating. We played a great game. They just beat us. But in all the other games, they absolutely trounced us from the standpoint of out-hustling us, out-playing us. Uh, out Xing and owes us. I mean, think about that. If you have Billy Donovan out Xing and out owing Greg Popovich, that's an incredible, an incredible st- uh, stance. Just in- incredible stuff. And knowing that Billy Donovan now, I mean, think about this. In the last two series, now, now they're only five games in or four games in, excuse me, in this series, and they won in six. The last ten games, they've gone seven and three in their last ten games against two of the best teams in the NBA, and probably in NBA history from the standpoint of success. And they're making it, no, I wouldn't say look easy, but with the way they're playing and and the level of intensity that they're playing at, it's a joy to watch. It's an incredible, incredible sight to see, and and, and to see how the Thunder are finding ways to finally mix their personnel in and, and stay comfortable on the court, trust one another, make the extra pass, um, you know, know when to, to go one-on-three in the lane. Know when to, to back it, to, to play it back out. Get the extra loose balls. When not to, to take the extra shot. This team is looking destined to win a title. And I think, like I said, Mother's Day, since Mother's Day, this team has just been on a run like we haven't seen. And I think they're a team destined to win the NBA title now, especially with the way the Cavs have played lately, coming back to earth. The Warriors have come back to earth. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, they can do something, but I mean, as we know, they don't have the talent that the Cavs have. They don't have the talent that, that the Thunder have. So, and the Warriors, they don't have the talent the Warriors have. The, the Raptors out of the final four are definitely the least talented of all, but Dwayne Casey's found a way to adjust and knowing what the Warriors have done all year, I wouldn't count them out in game five, 
I think they still win game five. I think the pressure then gets put on Oklahoma City in game six. And if Oklahoma City loses game six, I think the Warriors would win it in seven still. I said the Warriors would win this in seven. Do I still think they're going to win in seven? It definitely looks unlikely. But if the Warriors win game five big, and then it goes back to Oklahoma City, and the Warriors keep it close, and down the stretch, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green play their game like they did early on in the year, or at least throughout the season, I mean, good luck, Oklahoma City. But as it stands right now, it's pretty pretty obvious to say that the Oklahoma City Thunder are just ready to take that next step. They've done it. They've proven to us up 3-1 on the best team in basketball. Think about this. They've beaten the best team in basketball that lost only nine games in the regular season. They've beaten them three times. And they've beaten them back-to-back. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely amazing. If you'd like to call in, the phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. Hump day. There's a lot of news in the NBA. In fact, the all-defensive team in the NBA has been announced today. And here is the first team all defense in the NBA for 2015-2016. Kawhi Leonard, unanimous, obviously winning a a, a defensive player of the year. He's going to get that unanimous vote. Draymond Green gets second. That's fantastic. 123 first-place votes, five second-place votes out of that, 251 points overall. Well-deserved Draymond Green, deserved to be on a first-team all-defense. DeAndre Jordan, definitely the best defensive center in the NBA, in my opinion. uh, DeAndre Jordan getting 47 first-place votes. Avery Bradley for a guard position, he gets 62 votes first place on an all-defense, obviously deserving there as well. One of the best defenders in the league from the shooting guard position. And then Chris Paul, another first-team all-defense. I mean, think about this. Chris Paul has been to eight all-defensive first teams. And they, they think of, well, all defense. Six first teams, two second teams. He's never won Defensive Player of the Year. He is overall total, when it comes to total uh, all defense awards, this guy's been to eight. I mean, he's only behind guys like Dennis Rodman, Jason Kidd, Hakeem Olajuwon, Dennis Johnson, Bobby Jones, Gary Payton, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan. He's only behind them, and he's tied with Michael Cooper and Bruce Bowen. I mean, think about that. Think, just fathom that for a moment. Chris Paul has more first-team award defensively than Bruce Bowen. I know numbers don't necessarily spell out how great defensively they really are, but if Chris Paul is in the same conversation award-wise with guys like Bruce Bowen and David Robinson and Dennis Rodman, you're talking about a guy who is absolutely elite on the defensive side of the ball, and it might be safe to say that he is right behind Gary Payton when it comes to all defense, all time, when it comes to the point guard position. Gary Payton has nine total first-team all-defensive uh, for, for point guard. That's unbelievable. That's, that's never going to be done again. I don't think Chris Paul is going to be on. He might be on an all-defensive team next year, but I don't think he'll have any more first-team all-defenses. I don't think he will, especially knowing that he's getting older, his health's going to decline, things will happen. But to, be, to have six first-team all-defenses is absolutely insane. He's, he's right there with Dennis Rodman. He, he's right there second all-time in first-team all-defenses for a point guard. Right behind Gary Payton, three behind him in first-team, one behind him all-time awards. Gary Payton is nine. All of them are first-team. But Chris Paul is eight. Six of them are first-team. I mean, you're talking about a guy now who's definitely a top-ten point guard all-time and he doesn't even have a ring yet. I, I feel bad for him. 
I really do. I feel bad for Chris Paul knowing that he is, he's, he's in a situation where I'm not saying the Clippers won't have a chance to win the title anytime soon, but man, he has been on some seriously talented teams that just have not had an opportunity to get to an NBA Finals or at least sniff one. Second team all defenses, Paul Millsap of Atlanta, absolutely deserving. He had 75 second-place votes, 11 uh, first-place votes. Paul George, five first-place votes, definitely deserving as well. Hassan Whiteside is on the second-team all-defense. Um, you could have made the case that he could have been above DeAndre Jordan when it came to votes. He was only nine, or excuse me, he was only 11 points back of, of DeAndre Jordan. It was very close for the center position, but it's definitely a toss-up. Knowing DeAndre Jordan, again, is one of the more imposing centers in the league, it's a toss-up. Hassan Whiteside, DeAndre Jordan, take your pick. I would personally choose DeAndre Jordan, but knowing Hassan Whiteside's step-up this season has been unbelievable. Tony Allen, what more to say? He's on another second-team all-defense. Look at the records. Look at, look at who's there. Tony Allen is one of the best defensive players of all time in the stretch that he's done it. Tony Allen has been on four, excuse me, five all-defensive teams, whether it's second or, or first-team all-defense. He's one of, if not, and Kobe Bryant even said it, he's one of the greatest to ever play defense in the NBA and do what he's done. I mean, he, he has been an absolute stud on the defensive side of the ball. And again, showing why in his later portions of his career, why he still is a, a force on the defensive side. Tony Allen getting second, second team all defense and Jimmy Butler as well, deservedly so getting in as well on second team all defense. Other guys who got votes, Rudy Gobert was close. He got hurt this year, definitely not quite there. Clay Thompson, he also got some votes as well. I think if he would have switched out Jimmy Butler with Clay Thompson, I don't think people would have been upset with that. Or maybe if he would have switched out Clay Thompson with Paul George, I don't think people would have been upset with that either. Jay Crowder, LeBron James got on there as well. Kyle Lowry got got some nods, Danny Green, uh, Russell Westbrook also. Tim Duncan, he's still getting votes even though he's pretty much about to retire. Ricky Rubio, I don't see it. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, definitely. I don't know where he didn't get on the list. He got robbed. I think Contavious Caldwell-Pope should have taken over Paul George. Maybe Paul George is the only guy on this list that I don't necessarily agree with. I think maybe a guy like Contavious Caldwell-Pope should have taken his spot. But for the most part, you're looking at a circumstance here with the second team All-NBA where you could make some tweaks, but for the most part, I feel like they got it all right. I mean, Avery Bradley, you could debate him being out and having Contavious Caldwell-Pope in that position. Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and DeAndre Jordan and Hassan Whiteside could have flip-flopped. Draymond Green, definitely deserving. Kawhi Leonard, definitely. Chris Paul, definitely. Those are three automatics. DeAndre Jordan and Hassan Whiteside, you could really flip-flop both ways. And Avery Bradley, maybe he could be second-team defense, and you could have Tony Allen or Jimmy Butler or whatnot. But for the most part, I don't disagree with this list. I feel like it's a pretty solid list. You could have a couple other names in there, and I feel like Contavious Caldwell-Pope is really the main guy who got left off. But outside of that, I'm pretty happy with it. I, I like the list. I like where they've gone and what they've, what they've put on here. And I, and, I, and I don't have much qualms to really, to really debate. So I, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with who they have on the list, and I'm happy with what's going forward. Speaking of the Grizzlies and speaking of Tony Allen, uh, his new head coach next season will be David Fisdale, who has been an assistant head coach of the Miami Heat. Uh, since 2008. He's been an assistant head coach for eight years now. Think about that. Almost eight full years now he's been an assistant head coach. Seven years, if you want to be exact. Seven seasons he's been, a, he's been an assistant head coach for the Miami Heat. He's been unbelievable. Uh, he was an assistant head coach prior to that with the Atlanta Hawks from 2004 to 2008. He was an assistant for one season for the Golden State Warriors back before nobody knew who the Golden State Warriors were in 2003-2004. 
He was an assistant head coach at Fresno State and San Diego uh, for about a four, five, six-year stretch uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s, uh, going back to that time. And I think this is his time. You know, seeing this guy uh, being an assistant head coach, learning under a guy like uh, Eric Spolstra, Pat Riley, uh, seeing what the organization did in Miami for the last eight years, I think he's getting his chance, and I think this is a fair a fair time for him to get his chance and, and, and grow an opportunity to become an independent and coach. And I think this is a good move for Memphis. Memphis is not one of those organizations that you would sit back and think, oh, they make quick decisions, they're irrational, or this or that. I think Memphis knows what they're doing. I think they recognize that they still have a small window to compete in the playoffs when healthy. I definitely think they're aware that they need to make some moves in the offseason to either get younger or to get one big piece to, to, really, to really fill out their roster. But I think giving this guy in David Fisdale, who's 41 years old, by the way, he's turning 42 here in about a week, um, knowing that this guy has an opportunity to start his career with a pretty solid organization, signing a, signing a term deal today. I don't know if he signed the terms. I don't know what they are yet. But knowing that he is going to be now a coach for the Memphis Grizzlies and has an opportunity to learn under one of the better organizations in sports, really, in the Memphis Grizzlies and how they've been, how well they've been, uh, you know, run over the last four or five years, he should have a really good stepping stone and find a way to keep this team going. And hopefully he can get this team to a new level that they haven't seen since 2013. Remember, in 2013, they got to the NBA uh, Western Conference Finals and they were clearly the second best team in the West, if not the best team in the regular season. They unfortunately ran into a gauntlet of the San Antonio Spurs, and since then, they haven't really found a way to get back. And I think David Fisdale, seeing that he's a new voice, a new, a new presence on the team, I feel like he's going to get them going. I feel like he's going to find a way to get the Memphis Grizzlies back to where they should go. That's no knock on David Yorger. No knock on him. I feel like David Yorger was a fantastic coach for them, but I feel like this is a good move because we know that this team is is really in a weird flux transition stage where they still have talent to compete at a high level in the Western Conference. It's just now they're trying to find pieces and find a new voice to get them moving forward and be a team to compete with in deep runs in a in a very vaunted Western Conference. And I think this giving this guy a chance on top of the roster they have, where they know they're going to have to rebuild here in the next couple of years if it doesn't work out. Um, I think it's a good I think it's a good step. I think it's a good step for them a new voice, giving a guy a new chance who's seen, who's seen success. He knows what it takes to be, be successful. And the Grizzlies know how to pick out talent. They do. They, they've been a successful organization for the last five, six years in this decade. And I, who's seen success lately, recently, on the Miami Heat, who have been one of the better organizations in sports the last 10 years, and he's been a part of it. I think this is his time to shine. This is a good step for him, starting in Memphis. So you got a good pickup there in Memphis. And you should be excited. Some rumors before we get to these previews of these game fives. We just kind of talked about them a little bit earlier, but I wanted to give my piece on this. Bradley Beal, he's talking about how he is searching for a max deal this offseason, whether it's in Washington or whether it's somewhere else. First of all, this guy's not a max deal player. And we said this in the preseason when Andrew was here, and we were talking about these previews, especially for the Washington Wizards. We said that he had to stay healthy for this backcourt and this team to do anything big this year, and he just can't. Uh, this guy, Bradley Beal, is not going to get a max deal. I know the, I know the salary caps are going to get big here over the next couple of years with the TV deals and, and, the, and the money being thrown around. But this circumstance for the Miami Heat, excuse me, for, for Bradley Beal, him getting a max deal is not going to happen. This guy's been hurt 
the last two, three years, he cannot stay healthy. And if he had health on his side, if he would be able to play 75, 80 games a year and find a way to stay on the court, I think that he would have a legitimate uh, bark at getting a max deal. I think his best bet is to try and get a two-year deal and then wait to see if he can stay healthy because he's still in a young portion of his career. I mean, he ain't going anywhere anytime soon when it comes to his cap- his skill set. He's still a great shooter. He's one of the best shooters in the league when healthy. Problem is, he just can't stay on the court. A, a max deal player is a guy who you knew who know- you know can at least stay healthy and at least be a giant contributor to your organization. He's a big contributor, but he's shown not to take that next step yet. And I think his health has been a major concern to that. So knowing that he's trying to get a max deal, I I don't know where this ideal of that is coming from. I I know he's looking at the TV money and thinking I'm one of those guys, but quite frankly, Bradley Beal, you're just not, you're not a max guy yet. You're not there yet. Just kind of take your lumps as they come and expect, expect half of what you're expecting to get or else you're going to play overseas and you're going to be heavily disappointed. I think Bradley Beal is going to, going to latch on to a very good team this offseason. If, if I were him, to be 100% honest, I would, I would latch on to a team like the Spurs. I would come off the bench, get healthy, get a two-year deal with the Spurs, get healthy, and then if you stay healthy and, and, and improve your game and learn from the Spurs, go somewhere else and then latch on to a max contract. If he stays healthy and plays a perfect role for the Spurs and maybe even starts at times when Danny Green's not feeling it, I feel like he can come in and and, and join another team down the road and be a serious contributor. But for now, he's more of a guy who looks like an amazing role player, good starter in the NBA, who could shoot from the outside with the best of them. But when it comes to his capability to stay healthy, he's proven that he can't do it. He just can't. He just just cannot do it yet. And uh, and that's all i got to say about him. Joe Kim Noah. There's another guy who's, who's being rumored about, you know, he does not like what the Chicago Bulls are proving. And let me tell you this, Joe Kim, I don't think you're the only one that thinks that the Chicago Bulls are running themselves into the ground after getting rid of uh, Tom Thibodeau last year and picking up, uh, putting up Fred Hoiberg uh, from Purdue a year ago. I don't think you're the only one that's frustrated with the Chicago Bulls and what they're doing in the front office. It's proven that their front office is making a lot of rash decisions uh, early on to, to, to change the organization's philosophy. I don't dislike the Chicago Bulls for that, but I can understand and see why Joe Kim Noah wouldn't want to go back. And I, and I think Joe Kim Noah is going to go somewhere where he's valued and he's appreciated and he's going to play the perfect role either off the bench or starting and be one of those guys that's going to be an absolute workhorse for you. And I, and I think he's going to do that. Is he a little overrated in his skill set? I think so. But when it comes to his motor and it comes to his capability of contributing for a team and playing 20, 30 minutes of ball game and giving you hard-pressed effort to get you, get you some serious non-statistical effort, that's, that's, a, that's Joe Kim Noah. And I feel like his utilization in Chicago the last couple of years has been unfair and has been inaccurate with the way that he's been utilized. But I feel like if he goes to the right system and finds a way to latch on and play his game and earns the money he deserves – this is going to be a really scary team to latch on to. I mean, they're, they're going to be a scary team. Whoever team he goes to, that's going to be a much better team from the start. Let's preview the games. Obviously tonight, and it's, it's already started. It's already tipped off. Cavs and Toronto Raptors is on right now. It's just started first two minutes of the quarter. Raptors are up 3-2 three, uh, right now. It's very early, very early in that one. I think the Cavs are going to take this one, and I think they're going to win by 10. I think they're going to cover – I think they're going to dominate. They're going to get back up in the series 3-2, and then I think they're going to go back to Toronto. Toronto's going to get the victory, and then they're going to go back for a game seven. I just feel like this series now, with the way these teams play at home, they play drastically different than what they are. If the Raptors win tonight, 
you talk about a big time landscaping change in the Eastern Conference for what to expect. That would be a devastating blow for the Cleveland Cavaliers if they can't get it done tonight. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win big. Uh, but definitely tune in for that one tonight. Uh, I think the Cavs adjust, and I think they find a way to implement their ability to play inside and that their big three will get it done tonight and give them a 3-2 lead. Game five tomorrow in the Western Conference on Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Look, the Warriors are favored by seven and a half. This is what I got to say. I think the Golden State Warriors are going to absolutely crush it. I think they're going to find a way to bounce back in this one. I think the narrative is going to change on them. Everyone's saying that they're done. Everyone's saying they don't have a chance. Everyone's saying it's over for the Golden State Warriors. I'm going to disagree. I think the Golden State Warriors are 73-9. and They're a great team for a reason. They're going to come back. Their motivation at home is going to be incredible. I think they're going to bounce back and get the victory over the Thunder. Do I think they cover the 7.5? No, I think they win by 5. I think they keep it close. I think early on they take a big lead. I think everyone saying that the Golden State Warriors are just going to lie down, lay down and die is absolutely incorrect. I think they take a big lead early, and I think the Thunder claw back. But I think the Warriors find a way to figure it out in the fourth quarter and seriously, or in the middle portions of the game, in the, th- in the second and third quarter, and slow down the Thunder and find a way to at least push this to a game six, where I think the real pressure will be put on Oklahoma City if it's pushed to a game six. Oklahoma City... If, if they get pushed to a game six, outside of game seven, look, each of these games, this is a weird series because game one was definitely huge because the, because the Warriors lost. Then the Warriors won game two to tie it up. Game three was huge from the standpoint of who's going to grab momentum. Thunder grabbed it back big time. And then last night was huge because it was the first time the Warriors lost back-to-back games in almost three years. And so – you look at each of these games, in fact, I would, I would say that game five is going to be highly rated because the Golden State Warriors probably will get knocked off. If they get off to a slow start and can't come back, they'll definitely get knocked off, and, and, and it'll be the end. That'll be why it's highly rated. But I think this is probably going to be a low-rated low game, lowest-rated game of the series because Oklahoma City has a 3-1 lead. If it's a 3-2 lead going back to Oklahoma City, I think a lot of people are going to tune into that because – of the rabid crowd in, in Oklahoma City, and people are going to look to see if the Warriors can bounce back and dominate the way they're used, they're used to doing during the season. So you got a lot of stuff to look forward to here over the next couple of days. And tonight's game, if you're not watching it, if you're not tuning in right now to watch that game, boy, you're, you're missing out. It's going to be an unbelievable game tonight in the Eastern Conference Finals in Cleveland for Game 5 as the series is tied 2-2, and the winner of that is more than likely going to win the Eastern Conference Finals moving forward. We've got about two minutes left in the show. Episode 144 is in the books. Episode 1 will be on Friday, May 27, 2016. The shows after that will be on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that's what will be happening starting next week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And again, we'll be leaving CLNS Radio uh, on June 30th. That will be the last show. June 30th, 2016, we'll be moving on over to NBA lead. We'll get all the details sorted out for you over the months in June, and we'll figure it all out as time moves forward. But this is the end of episode 144. Episode 145 will be on Friday, same time, same place, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern here on CLNS Radio. My name is Simo Buckets. If you'd like to check more on about me, my website is simobuckets.com. Twitter handle Simo Buckets, uh, at simobuckets253. I'm there on the Twitter Uh, Thank you again for everybody listening, and uh, have a good one, and enjoy the game tonight. Eastern Conference Finals Game 5, it's going to be crazy. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy yourselves.